And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA. And uh, we're on Anchor FM right now, as well as Spotify and Overcast and Apple Podcasting, Google Podcasting. We want to say hello to you, however you're listening to this podcast. And this, of course, is a podcast dedicated to the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. And we're so glad to have you tuned in, and we hope that you'll make this uh, a habit every day of your life. Because, in my opinion, folks, you cannot get too much of the Word of God into you. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, today we're going to mention the fact that you have an opportunity to make a financial contribution uh, to the ongoing ministry of Sunshine USA. Uh, and I say that by the time you get to the end of this program, you will be given an opportunity to press a button and make a contribution. Very simple, very quick and easy, very secure. And uh, when you do, of course, you'll be making it possible for us to expand this ministry. One of the things I would love to be able to do is to buy airtime on existing uh, radio stations and television stations. I mean by that, over-the-air stations, uh, in addition to the Internet that we're broadcasting on now. And I might point out, by the way, I don't receive a salary for doing Sunshine USA. Everything I do for Sunshine USA is totally free gratis. I do it totally as a volunteer without any salary or financial compensation whatsoever. And that means that I'm free to use whatever money comes in to actually have it go right back into the ministry. And this is what we intend to do. Now, the other thing I want to point out is the fact that in the coming weeks, in the very near future, we hope to have a website up and running that will be all about Sunshine USA. You could get past and... um, present programs from Sunshine USA, uh, and it will have all kinds of articles about what Christians are doing all over the world in order to advance the kingdom, and we think this is going to be exciting. You'll hear stories about uh, people that have come to Christ as a result of the ministry of Sunshine USA. You'll hear from missionaries whose ministries have been enhanced through the ministry of Sunshine USA. And um, as time goes by, it'll have an itinerary there so that you can keep up with where I'm going to be and when, and I think that will be exciting as well. And I hope that you will join me in praying that God will show us how to expand, where to expand, and at what rate to expand. Now, you know, I I don't want to expand so rapidly that we don't do a good job. Uh, I have seen some ministries, for example, expand so rapidly it just killed the ministry. (laughs) I want us to take as long as it takes to do whatever God's called us to do. But in any event, in order for us to expand the ministry beyond where it is now, we desperately do need your financial support. I, I hope that you will pray about whatever financial support that you will feel led of the Lord to give to this ministry. And of course, I can assure you every penny that comes in 
it will be used for the glory of God. It will be used for the continuing work of this ministry. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, I want you to get out your Bibles and turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now, last time we were in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we talked about David fighting Goliath. And we learned that through that, we could learn that we too, like David, we can face the giants in our life because no problem is too big for God. No problem is too big for God. Never has been, never will be. But now today we're going to learn something that was already known by some when David fought Goliath, and that is that David had already been handpicked by God to be the next king of Israel. Now Saul was the first king of Israel. Up until that time, Israel had no king. Up until that time, Israel was known as a theocracy. That is, they were known as a nation that was ruled by God. And that's the way God wanted it to stay. But you know what? Israel kept saying, no, we want a king. All the other countries of the world have a king. We want to have a king. And God told the people through Samuel, okay, if you want a king, I'll give you a king, but you're not going to like it because he's going to take your young men. He's going to send them off in the war. Half of them's going to be killed and you won't see him anymore. And oh yes, if you get a king, that king's going to raise the taxes. You're going to pay taxes like you've never paid taxes before. So God, through Samuel, was letting the people know, you know, hey, there's some disadvantages to having a king. But, you know, it also lets us know that God will give us what we ask for sometimes, even if he doesn't want us to have it. Did God want Israel to have a king? Absolutely not. But did God give Israel a king? You bet he did. And that person was Saul. But... As time went by, it became that it became evident that Saul was not a good king. He was very weak. He was cowardly. And as I pointed out in the broadcast that I did last night, I said the thing we have to take note of is the fact that Saul was a coward. I mean, here he was offering his armor to David, and that was armor that Saul should have been wearing. As the commander-in-chief, Saul should have been first in line to go and do battle against Goliath. But no, Solomon was way too afraid to do that. And so were David's brothers. And notice David's older brother especially criticized David for being there. <laughs> you know, I, I, one time I went over to a friend's house and I helped them clean up. And in my opinion, I did pretty good. I at least had it looking a lot better than it did before I got over there. But do you know they wanted to criticize how I did this? They wanted to criticize how I did that. And you know what I told them? I said, I like the way I cleaned it up better than the way you didn't. I said, if I hadn't come along, this place would be a rat's nest like it was before. 
but at least I've got it looking a lot better than it was. And, and you know, when people are cowardly, when people are too stubborn to do what God wants them to do, they resent it when anybody steps up to the plate willing to do it. As we saw in the Bible study last night in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David walked up to the plate. He was not the least bit afraid to go against Goliath. Now, as I pointed out last night, he found out he couldn't fight Goliath using Saul's armor. David had to take Saul's armor off. It didn't fit. It wasn't going to work. David went to a brook and he got some stones, some very smooth stones from the river. And when it came time, he got his sling. He, he flung that stone and it went right straight directly into the forehead of Goliath. And Goliath fell down dead. You see that one stone, it hit in the one place that was unprotected. And it killed Goliath. Goliath was dead. And you'll recall the people started celebrating. They said, oh, you know, Saul over here, he's killed hundreds. But David, on the other hand, he's killed thousands. You think that made Saul feel good? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So anyway, God made it very clear that he had rejected Saul as king and he was going to replace Saul. And that's where we come in. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing that I have rejected him? Seeing that I have rejected him over Israel. Fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee... And I will send thee, <laughs> this is the bad part about summertime when you have to turn the fan on. My fan wants to turn my Bible to another page. <laughs> and I'm determined not to do that. So let's get over here in my living room without the fan on so that I can read from the Word of God where I'm supposed to be reading from the Word of God. It says, fill thine horn with oil and go and I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. Now, to make a long story short here, and by the way, I hope that you will take it upon yourself to read chapter 16 in its entirety, and I hope that you will read about how God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, and he said, it is there that I have anointed someone else to be my king. And so he says, take your horn, fill it with oil, 
Now, by the way, oil here is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And the person you anoint, I will be filling that person with the Holy Spirit so that they can do what I have for them to do as the king of Israel. And of course, Saul's, I mean Samuel's main objection is the fact that if Saul finds out about this, and bear in mind, Saul is still in office as king of Israel. Saul still has full authority as the king of Israel. But, he says, if Saul finds out about this, you know what's going to happen. He is going to kill me. He's going to have me killed. He's going to have my head. And, of course, back in those days, that was a valid fear. I mean, in this country, in recent weeks, we've seen all kinds of demonstrating in the street. But in a monarchy, you don't have that. Because if you dare speak out against the king, you know it's going to happen. You're dead. You're dead meat. You're not going to exist anymore. You're wiped out. So Samuel's fears were well-founded. But the Lord said, just take you a young heifer and you just say, I'm going to offer a sacrifice unto the Lord. And he said, you go over to the house of Jesse and from there I will pick out my new king. Now, when you read chapter 16 on your own, you're going to see where Samuel gets Jesse to one by one introduce him to all of the sons that he has. And one at a time, Jesse introduces all of his sons except for David. But each time, Samuel looked at that person, the Lord said, nope, this is not who I picked out. But when they got to the last of the sons, Samuel said, do you not have any other sons? You see, Samuel knew that somewhere in here, somewhere in the house of Jesse, there was a son who had been already picked out by God to be the next king of Israel. <laughs> and Jesse said, oh yeah, I, I do have one other son. I have to send for him though because he's out in the field watching over my flocks. Samuel says, hey, go get him. And to make a long story short, they go and fetch David. David comes in and God says, anoint him. He's the one. Him I'm picking out to be the next king of Israel. Now, you know, it's possible that Samuel and Jesse and all the brothers of David, they were all thinking, David? <laughs> David? <laughs> I mean, David was probably no older than 12 or 13 years old, maybe not even that old yet. You're going to pick David <laughs> to be the next king of Israel? Well, you have to understand, first of all, when God chooses someone to do his work, a lot of times it's going to be someone that you least expected. 
it might be someone that you would consider to be least bit qualified. And it may very well have been that at that time, David was too young to be king. But you see, in this case, it didn't really matter because you see, it was going to be something like 15 years before David would become the next king of Israel. And that was a good thing because you see, God needed time to prepare David to be the next king of Israel. And also, David had to forge some relationships, not the least of which was the relationship that David had with Jonathan, the eldest son of Saul. You see, the way things were set up in those days, if anything had happened to Saul, it was Jonathan, Saul's oldest son, who would have been considered next in line to be the king of Israel. But that didn't match up with God's plans. God had already prophesied that it is through David's family line that the Messiah will come. In fact, uh, I talked a little bit about Messianic prophecy in the Old Testament this morning on the earlier edition of Sunshine USA. And I pointed out that Christ was forecast all the way back in the Old Testament. You see, unlike what most people think, Christ was not plan B. Some people think, well, you know, in the Old Testament, God's word was made available to the Jews. They botched it. They, they messed up that opportunity. And now over here in the New Testament, God has decided that through Jesus, he's going to allow his son Jesus to die on the cross and, and raise the third day and ascend into heaven 40 days later, and, and we're going to have a home in heaven, and it's going to be honky-dory. That's going to be plan B. But you see, Jesus never was plan B. He was part of the original plan of God all along. Amen. <laughs> but none of that would have worked out the way God said it was supposed to work out if Jonathan had become king. And so you see... To Jonathan's credit, he had to accept the fact that the next king of Israel would be David and not him, Jonathan. And yet, in spite of all this, we find out that David and Jonathan were the best of friends. They were about as close as any two people could ever be. Great friends, loved each other, loved to have company and fellowship with each other. And it takes a person of great humility to be able to do that. It speaks very well of Jonathan. I heard one time about an assistant pastor, and he wrote a book called Second Fiddle. <laughs> second Fiddle. You see, all throughout this man's ministry, he had been second fiddle. He had been assistant pastor, not senior pastor, assistant pastor or associate pastor. But he said, you know what? He says in his book, he said, God never called me to be a senior pastor. God has always chosen to use me as an assistant pastor, to be a backup for the, for the senior pastor, to help in the work of the senior pastor. It takes a special humility 
and a special call of God to have that kind of attitude. Now, some people, they might say, well, you know, I might be assistant pastor today, but I'm not going to be assistant pastor forever. One day I want to be senior pastor. And you have to accept the fact God may never choose to promote you to, to senior pastor. You might spend your whole life, your whole ministry being assistant pastor. But if that's what God has called on you to do, then that's the best thing you can do. Amen. You can't do better than that. Amen. I've shared on this program before about a young man I went to college and seminary with. He went on to get first a master's degree from the seminary and then a doctoral degree from the seminary. And when he got that doctoral degree, everybody teased him that, man, you got a doctoral degree. Man, you got the qualifications to go to any church in America to be their pastor. You know, if an opening came up at the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Man, you would be in line to become their next pastor. Well, of course, as you know, Dr. Jeffries now is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, and I might add he's doing a good job, and if he's listening, I want him to know I enjoy watching him preach on television. Amen. But this guy, in spite of his doctoral degree from the seminary, in spite of the fact that he was qualified to be pastor of the biggest church in all America, God said, no, I don't want to use you as a pastor. I don't even want to use you as a seminary professor. I want to use you as a missionary to the jungles of Africa. And the last I heard to this day, he's in the jungles of Africa telling the people of Africa about Jesus. Jesus. Amen. You know, sometimes I think we get it all wrong. You know, um, a man serves a church as pastor for many years, and all of a sudden he thinks it's time for him to get ahead. And he assumes that his next church will be a promotion. His next church will be bigger. They'll give him a bigger paycheck. How many times have you ever known someone who said, you know, Lord, I'm going to go where you want me to go, even if I have to take a pay cut to get there? Now, there's been a couple of times in my ministry where I've heard about that, where people actually took a pay cut to do what God wanted them to do. I'm, I'm, in one sense of the word, an example of that myself. When I was in seminary, uh, I had a job in the seminary uh, preaching and proclaiming Christ wherever I could. But my, my secular job was my primary place of employment. And in my primary place of employment, I was making very easily $250-$300 a week, just sitting around doing nothing. Amen. And I 
I gave up all that to go to a church that paid $75 a week. You see, sometimes doing the will of God means you're willing to serve God, even if it means you got to take a pay cut. Even if I have to take a pay cut to get there, I'm going to serve God. Even if the church where God sends me is smaller than the church I have now, I'm going to go where God wants me to go. Amen. So we see in 1 Samuel chapter 16, David has now been anointed to be the next king of Israel. Like I say, he doesn't realize it now, but it's going to be 15 long years before he becomes the actual reigning monarch over all Israel. You see, he's going to have to go through a time of preparation. And by the way, that's not always going to be easy. Because as you suspect, eventually, guess what? Saul finds out about the fact that David is going to be the next king of Israel. And Saul is not a happy camper. He comes after David. David is forced to live life on the run. David is forced to hide out in caves in the desert. It's hard to believe that he's going to be the next king of Israel. And here he is hiding out like a scared man in a cave. God has to put him through a time of preparation. Now, if you're listening to this broadcast right now, and God's called you to be in the ministry, I'm very excited about that. But let me tell you, you've got to go through a time of preparation. You're going to have to go through a time of learning, a time of studying, a time of improving yourself academically. I like what the late Oliver Green said on the radio. He said, a call to preach is a call to prepare. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you have to study all night for a test the next morning. It can be hard at times. It can be difficult. You're going to be put through some trying situations. But in the end, it's going to be worth it. Because in the end, you'll be in a place of service where God wants to use you. And it's no telling where you're going to end up. I, I tell people all the time, if you had told me back when I was in high school, when I first got saved, if you told me back in high school that one day I'd be sitting in my apartment broadcasting the gospel via the internet to the whole wide world, I, I would have said, man, you're crazy. No way. No way am I going to be able to preach to the whole wide world. I mean, I couldn't even afford to buy airtime on a small town radio station. And you tell me I'm going to be on the internet one day and I'm going to be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world? No way is that going to happen. But guess what? That's happened. And as I shared with you at the very beginning of this broadcast, I feel like in the end, God is going to do even more 
through me and the ministry of Sunshine USA. Amen. You know, it's kind of interesting. I'm actually at the age where most preachers retire. And I'm retired myself, except I'm retired from secular work. You see, what I didn't realize back when I was in high school when God called me to preach, God was going to use me most of my working years as a bivocational minister. Most of the time I would have to earn money at a secular job to pay for whatever I did in the ministry. But now I have retired from secular work and I'm devoting myself full-time entirely to the work of the gospel ministry so that as of right now, here I am, 65, going on 66 years old, and guess what, folks? I am preaching the gospel more now than ever before, just this morning alone. This is the second sermon that I have preached this morning. I preached two other sermons yesterday. I have already preached more this week than many other preachers my age have preached. And I thank God for that. And I've said until my dying day, I want to die doing the work that God called me to do. I think about a pastor I have a lot of respect for, the late J, uh, uh, Harold Seitler, founding pastor of the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina. I have utmost respect for that man, even though he went to heaven in 1995. But a man I have great respect for. You know what? He was still the pastor of Tabernacle Baptist Church when he died in 1995 at the age of 81. At the age of 81, he was still doing the very work that God called him to do. And I can tell you that it's the same way with me. I want to do what God has told me to do until the day I die. I don't want to stop. I don't want to let up. I want to just keep going for God. How many more years do I have to live? I don't know. I mean, I realize the deck stacked against me. I mean, I have heart problems and lung problems and circulatory problems and problems with my legs and problems with my hands. But guess what, folks? Even my eyesight, it's not acting. I mean, it's not acting so well either. But I can tell you, folks, until the day I die, until the day God calls me home, I want to be busy, busy, busy doing the work that my great God has called me to do. And in that way, I could be the kind of man that God uses. You see, God is much more interested in our availability than he is our ability. You see, when God called me to the ministry that he's chosen to use me in, there's smarter people he could have called. There's more educated people he could have called. There are richer people he could have called. Physically stronger and healthier people he could have called. But guess what? God became much more interested in my availability than he was my ability. And therefore, God has chosen to use me on the internet as his means of getting out the life-saving, life-changing gospel 
of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I would urge you to be the same way. I would say you need to be also the kind of person dedicated to doing whatever it is God has called you to do. You say, what does God call me to do? I can't tell you that. But if you make the time to pray and read the Bible and study the Bible every day, you know, there's a difference between pray, I mean, between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Anybody could just read the Bible and probably fall asleep doing it. But you see, studying the Bible requires diligent, hard work. It requires that you pay attention to what you're reading. It requires that you have the ability to ask yourself some intelligent questions. There's really no harder job out there than that of properly studying the Bible. That's why in the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Studying the word of God will demand hard work on your part. It will demand determination on your part. But that's how you find out what it is that God wants you to do. Now, I firmly believe with all my heart, whatever God's called you to do, he's specially gifted you for doing that. I believe that with all my heart. It's just a matter of you finding out what God wants you to do. Another way you can find out is by talking to people that are already doing whatever it is you feel like the Lord might possibly be calling you to do. And I'm sure they would love to give you some great advice. I have said before, I enjoy giving people advice as a minister of the gospel. I take a special interest in young people who indicate that they've been called of God to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of you might be saying, well, you know, Warren, I don't have a lot of education. Well, that's okay. God doesn't call everybody to be a walking genius. <laughs> I know he didn't call a walking genius when he called me. I've said many times I would rather someone have just a little bit of education and actually use that education in the work of the Lord than I would to see somebody with a whole lot of education with many degrees on their wall and not really doing the work that God has called on them to do. But just make up your mind this very day that you want to be the kind of person that God can use. And God will anoint you with oil. That is to say, he will empower you by the Holy Spirit to do the work that he has called you very uniquely to do. And I hope this message has been inspiring to you, helpful to you, encouraging to you. And I've got just enough time here to say that I hope that you will contact me. 
My email address is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. Warrenlandis at yahoo.com. It's all lowercase, all one word. Warrenlandis at yahoo.com. And if you let me know you're listening to this program and you want my personal phone number, when you send me that email, I'll be glad to email you back and give you my own personal phone number. And when you do that, I can talk to you anytime. I can pray with you anytime in person over the phone. I would love to do that. That would mean everything to me to be able to do that for you. But until next time, this is Warren Landis saying God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.